the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya Podcast, sponsored by Genucel. We thank them for their promotion on this show. We have had Riley Gaines on this show a couple times. She swam against Leah Thomas at the NCAAs. Today, Paula Scanlon, who swam alongside Leah Thomas at Penn. That's next. Now, it's the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. So Paula Scanlon has joined a, a slow but surely growing number of women who are speaking out to save women's sports, to say, look, women's sports are for biological women, not biological men who become or who transition and are trans women. There is a difference. It's chromosomal. It's in the DNA, et cetera. Paula Scanlon swam on the Penn swim team with Leah Thomas. She's going to tell us the entire story from when she found out that this was going to happen, that her she was a, welcoming a teammate of another um, biological sex, and how it went from there and why she's now decided to join this chorus of voices to try to save women's sports. It's as simple as that. And, you know, it's as simple as this. Look in the mirror and do you have any dark spots? They're not going to go away on their own. Introducing the Dark Spot Corrector from Genucel right in time for the end of summer. The Dark Spot Corrector with not one, but three cutting edge ingredients. It goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, and even old discoloration, both on your hands and your face. You are going to be amazed at how quickly this works and you see results. Now you can enjoy your summer, the, the sun, the beach, the barbecues, the baseball games without the embarrassing spots. With Genucel, you'll see the results or your money back. It's as simple as that. No questions asked. So go to Genucel.com right now. Get your dark spot corrector with the new Genucel most popular package now featuring summer essentials like the best selling ultra retinol moisturizer, which I love. It's got a powerful retinol alternative. So it's safe to use in the summer sun. Visit Genucel.com slash Michelle. Remember it's Michelle with one L M I C H E L E right now for these amazing summer essentials and save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package. Don't wait. Order Genucel's most popular package now. Free shipping, free returns, and the best luxury skincare you've ever used, all at 70% off. Genucel, it's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle. Genucel dot com slash Michelle. All orders will include a mystery luxury gift while supplies last. Genucel dot com slash Michelle. Coming up, Paula Scanlon. Former Penn swimmer shares her experiences of being a teammate with Leah Thomas. Paula Scanlon, welcome. I'm so glad to talk to you. You have only recently started, you know, sharing your experience at Penn swimming with Leah Thomas. And I'm just wondering what finally made you decide, and I know you've been asked this a lot, but for our listeners who may not know your story, what made you decide to start talking? 
Yeah. So a lot of it was in the last year. I really thought being removed from the situation would help me kind of spread, like keep my distance from it and say, oh, I don't really care anymore. But in the year between graduating and coming forward, I saw this continue to happen to other girls. I I saw this happening, not just in sports, but in women's prisons, in women's domestic violence shelters and a lot of places. And then I kind of said to myself, if I have this opinion that's so strong, but I'm not willing to speak about it, then why is it worth even having that opinion? And in that like period of self-reflection, I realized that I feel so strongly about this means that I do need to speak about it. And eventually that led me to, to my decision of coming forward and sharing my story. And it's been very relieving to be able to do so. I feel like a heavy weight has been lifted off my shoulder for, for telling the truth. I bet. I bet it's been liberating. And when you say talk about this, we're talking about trans women competing in women's sports, or as you mentioned, uh, being put into the women's prisons or, uh, you know, wherever women <laughs> are supposed to be protected, it seems, um, we are seeing this slow creep of biological men who now identify as women coming in and making these women feel unsafe. Let's start with your story. You're a swimmer at Penn. Your whole family went to Penn. Uh, when did you first hear that Leah Thomas was going to go from competing on the men's team to competing on the women's team? In the beginning of the school year in 2019, so around September 2019, we had a team meeting that was separate from the men's team. And um, I noticed a member of the men's team was sitting there named Will Thomas. And we're like, oh, I wonder why Will's hanging back here. And our coach goes, Will, this is your meeting. And I said, that's very odd that a member of the men's team is running a women's team meeting. And in this meeting, Will Thomas told us that they would be transitioning to the women's team and they're going to be on the men's team for the remainder of the season. But starting the next season, they would be part of the women's team and just said, I now go by she, her pronouns. And that was it. It was a very brief five minute meeting. There was no opportunity for questions. It was just, we were told and everybody get, got right into the pool right afterwards. And it was like, nothing ever happened. So we knew for a long time. And at that point, I really started reading scientific papers. I said, what is the NCAA policy that even allows this? Um, so at that point, I really started deep diving into what that looked like. And I immediately knew it was unfair. Yeah, I, I would I would guess that the reaction among the entire women's team was a little bit of shock. This is the first time most of us have heard of anything like this happening. So did you talk among yourselves? What was the you said you jumped right into the pool after the meeting. But it, later, was there any discussion amongst you like what is happening here? Yeah, one on one conversations there'd be girls that were saying, you know, oh, I, I understand biology and I don't think men, you know, should be able to compete on the women's team. But a lot of it was dismissed because it was like, oh, well, it's only, it's still a year away. And then because of COVID, it ended up being two years from mm. when we first found mm-hmm. out. So a lot of people just dismissed it. I think there's, there's always hope that, you know, that's just not going to happen. And I, I, I told a lot of my friends, I had a lot of friends on different sports teams. I was in college Republicans. I had friends in college Republicans and I would tell them this. And they said, Paula, you're making things up. It's not true. Like, you're just trying to get a kick out of everyone. And I was like, no, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to be having a member of the men's team switch over to the women's team. But it's one of those things that nobody will believe you until it actually happens. And then mm-hmm. once it happens, it's, it's already too late. So, you know, it was it was a situation where, you know, I wanted to have had conversations about this before. And I wanted to try to come to a fair solution. But because people don't believe it till they see it, it was already past the point of re- no return. 
So was it really like once it started, was there really no recourse, no discussion, no questioning, no, uh, hey, what about this entire team of women? And we, we we're not we don't agree with it. Was there nothing was or I mean, and why was that? Well, people who went to our coach one on one, obviously, he would never say this stuff to everyone. But if you had a one on one conversation, he, he acknowledged there's difference of opinion. He acknowledged that. Some people might think this is unfair. And he just said, basically, like, I'm here and I allow this to happen. If I ban Leah from the team, they're just going to fire me and bring in a coach that will allow Leah on the team. So it was a situation where it was very much, you know, even if our coach wasn't the one who allowed it to happen, they would have found somebody that would have. Um, And again, it's all the NCAA policy, unfortunately. The policy said that one year of transition hormones, whatever that entails, and Leah abided by that rule. That was the rule. They weren't going to make a mid-season change because that in some ways is – in any sport, you can't really change the rules mid-season. It doesn't work that way. So it was, you know, like you're following the rules. What can you do? So I, yeah. I do really blame the NCAA for that part because they didn't have an adequate policy to keep fairness in women's sports. And, and you know, you think, okay, they didn't have a policy probably because they never could have foreseen anything – quite like this. So, you know, COVID ends, you go back, you start the next season with Leah on the team. Um, what were some of the issues? What were some of the, the, the problems that the rest of the team felt were happening and weren't being addressed? Yeah. So swimming is a limited roster sport. So every single meet that we go to, there's only a certain number of people that can go. And that's the same as on a soccer team, on a field hockey team, on any other sport, right? There's a number of people that can be on the field, a number of people that can be on the bus, a number of people that can be on the, on in the pool, whatever it might be. And something that was hard for people was having these limited roster situations where someone would be like, people would be left off the bus. And there's multiple girls that don't get taken on these trips, but thinking, Hmm, was I the first per- person who would have been there? Was I the person who was my spot was taken from? And then the same thing with relays. Only four girls can be on the relay. And there's a lot of um, people who had previously been on relays that weren't allowed to be anymore because Leah was on the team. So I think just that feeling of losing your spot, and that's even on our team. And then we're actually benefiting from Leah being on our team in terms of scoring. And then I can't even imagine how the other girls in the Ivy League and these other schools that had to race against Leah feeling, okay, well, I would have been second or I would have been first, but now I'm third, now I'm second. So it just affects so many different people. It hurt people on my team. It hurt people on other teams. It hurt people who had to share a locker room with Leah. And that's what people are saying is, oh, this is so small. Why do you care about all these trans athletes or whatever? This one singular person affected an entire team of 35 plus girls and the entire Ivy League and everyone who swam the same events at the NCAA. Right. That is hundreds of people that are affected by one terrible decision and policy that allowed one person to compete. And that's what people don't realize. And I think what you just said is really important. You said one terrible policy. You're not saying one terrible person. We have no problem with Leah Thomas or anyone else. That's what I, I, I find. And I wonder how you combat this because a lot of people just boil this down to, oh, you're homophobic, which has nothing to do with this. What this has to do with is simple biology and fairness. So when people come up with that response like you're just against leah and it's no it's the policy it was how unfair it is and have you you've just articulated 
how many people were affected. So have you have you gotten the transphobe uh, backlash? Yeah, all the time. People yeah. are accusing me of things. They're saying I'm trying to ban uh, g- uh, gender affirming care, all of these things. And, I, and I've, I've made this very clear in a lot of my interviews and everything is I don't I don't have any hate for anyone who's going through something as terrible as feeling that you're born in the wrong body and that you have gender dysphoria. I think those people need to be treated with love and care and support and given the right kind of resources to help them get through what they're going through. Um, but people who are at fault in this situation are institutions like the NCAA, like the University of Pennsylvania, like all these other schools that have allowed for this delusion to continue, right? So you can, when you first find out a member of the men's team wants to transition to the women's team, I think the first step should be, okay, why do you feel that way? And really talk to them and dive down why they feel that way instead of saying, oh, of course you can. Here are hormones you should take for a year and then you'll be allowed to do that. I don't think that that's the right solution. And I think going forward, that's really what we need to attack, not these people that are coming into the women's sports, not these people that believe that they're born in the wrong body. So definitely. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Swimming is not the only sport this has affected. Certainly, Leah Thomas got the lion's share of attention because of her success at NCAAs and 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 the like. Uh, and this is a high-profile university, Penn, and a high-profile um, league, the Ivy League. So obviously there was a lot of, but we are seeing this a lot in cycling. Even I, I've heard it's even happening in, in poker. Now I'm not sure, you know, poker, it's your mind that's working. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but look, we've established women's and men's divisions for a reason. And, and, and that is for fairness and for, you know, trying to equal out, the, level the playing field for for athletic and other competitions um you you've since become part of you know sort of this growing group i i've i've talked to riley Gaines a couple times and she has said to me i feel far more support than i do backlash what's your experience been so far yeah i would say so there's definitely been a lot of support um, I've had girls from high school that I wasn't even very close with reach out to me and tell me that they support me. I had a kid I went to middle school with that I haven't spoken to since maybe 2013. It's been 10 years. He reached out. Um, my parents' friends have reached out to me. There have been plenty of support. And of course, there's always people who doubt this. But that really shows me how this issue is not a right like Republican issue. There are so many people on both sides of the aisle that agree that women deserve equal treatment and women deserve rights. And there's a really small minority that believes that biological men entering women's spaces is right. 
Um, so I think that's, that's really shown me. I, I was very surprised by not just the number of people that reached out, but how certain people who are on the left side of the aisle have reached out to me and also told me that they support me. Yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on there. We've seen that this crosses the ide- ideological aisle, if you will. Um, what is the situation now at Penn and in the Ivy League? And do you see any hope for, you know, are are things moving in the direction that you would hope they would? Or are we still really in a in a big sort of battle situation here? So the NCAA has what I like to say, punted the problem. They keep, even during the season, they said, oh, well, USA Swimming hasn't made a policy about this. So USA Swimming is the United States um, swimming body, right? So they make the decisions on, if you swim in the United States and you're a citizen in the US and you swim, you're under USA Swimming jurisdiction in high school and middle school, so on. Um, And so they said, oh, USA Swimming doesn't have a rule, so it's not going to be an issue. Um, cause it's not our problem. Like USA swimming says that this is fair. So then USA swimming actually made a policy during the season. And then NCAA said, Oh, well, actually we're not going to adopt that because it's mid season. We can't make a change. Right. And the NCAA at this point has said, I'm just going to go with what the governing body of every single sport says. So yes, now swimming has actually fixed this issue, but other sports have it. And they just said, Oh, well, it's up to them. So it's very much a decision where multiple different people will say, oh, well, it's just the NCAA saying that. And the NCAA will say, oh, well, what are they saying? And they kind of go back and forth. And no one really makes a blanket policy, which I think we should have for fairness for everyone. Because just because you're competing in a different sport doesn't mean you don't deserve the same fairness that somebody in a different sport might get. Right. So it's it's really hard. And I've, I don't like that it's that still that way. And they haven't made enough changes. Being on this team with Leah... Um, you talked about how different teammates spoke to one another, but how did you work to accept the situation as it was? How, how did you come to sort of some sense of peace for that season that Leah was on the team and, and, and I don't know if you embraced it or just um, lived with it, but how did you come to some sort of like, okay, here, here's where we are. This is what we've got to do. How, how were you able to do that? So the biggest thing that people don't realize is the Ivy League canceled all athletic competition from the 2020 to 2021 school year. So every single athlete in every sport did not have a season that year before. And so I think the biggest thing was a lot of people were very excited to just be back to normal classes. That fall 2021 semester was the first time I had taken an in-person class since my sophomore, since January of my sophomore year, February of my sophomore year. Right. And I was a senior at that point. So that year and a half period of no athletic competition, of um, no in-person classes, and then finally coming back was just really exciting for a lot of people. And I think that really helped overshadow what was going on because it said, oh, I don't care that this is happening to our team. You know, I finally get to be back in the pool with my teammates and I get to be back in the classroom in person. So I think that kind of helped cover it up a little bit. Yeah. As you look back... What what kind of will you remember most about being on this team, which is now sort of, I mean, it's, you know, this team with Leah Thomas is going to always be remembered for that sort of odd moment. And and I, I hope it is an odd moment because I hope sports does remember why they came up with Title IX and this is an anomaly and a one-off. But what will you remember most about it? What I remember most is feeling 
really isolated and silenced. I think the university did a really effective job of making sure we were not comfortable voicing our opinions. Um, I talked about this on other things, but I wrote an opinion piece for the school newspaper that was retracted within three hours of being published because the university was very um, set on not having dissenting viewpoints, have any platform at all. And I think that for me was what was most surprising because I knew it was going to be a controversial year, right? Everybody, I think in the back of their mind, at least had some recognition of that. But what freaks me out was that we couldn't talk about what was the right policy. And I think, again, I don't want anyone to be excluded from sport. I think there was many different possible solutions we could have come to as a team or as a group or as the Ivy League even that would have made the situation fair, but there was no room for discussion. And I think for me, it really, like my family, right, all went to Penn and it's taken, a, it would take a lot for my parents who loved Penn and encouraged me and my brother to go to Penn for them to, you know, feel dissatisfied with the treatment I had, but they're very unhappy as alumni. And a lot of alumni have reached out to me, actually, a lot. I've received no short of 15 alumni messages saying, I'm not donating anymore because of what they did. And I think that shows me that the way they treated us was wrong and they've had no response. If, If everything I've said is untrue, then they should have made a statement by now, but they haven't. They just ignore the problem. That's what's so interesting about this. This is not only, it seems to me, an an issue of fairness for women, but there's been this free speech element to it as well, that you penned an op-ed to the university newspaper and it got retracted with, I'm guessing, no explanation. And that the university has never just really, you, you said they were very effective about keeping you quiet. How did they do that? Like, was it overt or was it sort of, you know, between the lines? So we had a team meeting where in the meeting they told us we will regret speaking to the media. They told us not to talk to the media. They said, if you speak out, this will follow you for the rest of your life. You're not going to get a job. Everyone will know that you're a transphobe for the rest of your life. This is not, this is not the issue. Who was you saying this to you? Who was, who the, was... Uh, the athletic department came in with a whole panel of people from psychological services, from the LGBT center. There's a few other unnamed people that were there. It was a whole panel and just, again, it wasn't a direct threat. They weren't saying, we're going to kick you off the team if you speak. They never said that. Of course not. But when you're 20 years old or 21 years old and someone's telling you you're not going to get a job after college if you speak about this, that's that's really scary. And for me, that was my top priority. And I prioritized the job that I had after college for all of this because I said, oh, of course I want to go, you know, use my college degree and work a job. And if I speak out about this, I'm not going to be able to. So how has your post-collegiate career gone? I mean, do you feel like this is following you? You're, you've taken this step to be brave and to join this chorus. And I'm just wondering how it's what the repercussions have been. So I, I'm actually working on this full time as of very recently. I worked for about a year in the corporate world, sitting at a desk where nobody really knew my name. Um, and now I'm, you know, going and making speeches and doing interviews. Um, working with a lot of different organizations on pushing this forward. I think for now it's the right thing to work on. I really do think something like this needs to have my full attention. And then, and I, and there wasn't any negatives in the workplace. Um, You know, I I always thought that you would get fired from your job for speaking about this, but I did not have that experience. My job was very supportive and understood why I needed to leave. I wasn't forced out in any way. Right. Um, And I think that's something 
I was very surprised about. I really thought I would immediately be fired or something, but I don't think that any any company would really ever do that. So that was that oh. was very nice. To, <laughs> you never know. Maybe, I so. mean, <laughs> I, I think someone you'll see in Denver this weekend, Jennifer Say, the former president of Levi's, will tell you that her freedom of speech over COVID was uh, di- directly responsible, you know, for her being ousted from her spot at Levi's. And I'm I'm hopeful that you get to meet Jennifer this weekend. Uh, we're recording this on July, what is today, the 18th. And this weekend in Denver upcoming, uh, here we are in 2023, this big weekend of really interesting speakers, including yourself. And um, I, again, I'm just sort of, I'm just sort of amazed that we're having this conversation at all. I mean, could you have imagined as a young swimmer, as a little girl, that someday this would be the, the thing that you'd be you know, focused on in your life? No, and actually, like, we would we would joke about it as kids. We would say, oh, you know, how funny would it be if, if such and such from our the boys team would come some for the girls team? And my coach at the time would say, you guys are so funny. That's so ridiculous. And we would laugh about it. We'd be like, yeah, that would be so insane because they're so much faster. Yeah. And, it, you know, we joke about that as, you know, 13-year-olds. And then as a 21-year-old, it actually became my reality. So. Yeah. I never thought I'd be having this conversation. I never thought there'd even be room to talk about this. I, I didn't even think people would be interested in what I had to say. I never thought that I would be a speaker that people would want to talk to. Um, but it really shows how many people are passionate about this issue and how much of a problem it really is. That is true. And and all we're looking for is fairness. All we're looking for is fairness. I, it's not yeah. that tough. Paula Scanlon, I'm... I'm really glad you're bringing your voice to this conversation. Good luck to you. I'm going to keep tabs on you as I have with Riley and others. And I wish you nothing but but the best as you move on ahead fearlessly as you are. Uh, It takes courage. And um, I'm glad you have it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. She is Paula Scanlon. I'm Michelle Tafoya. As always, be brave and do good. And we'll see you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.